like that. You Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, my goodness. I hope you had a fantastic, fantastic Christmas break. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed Monday's show. We had Brady Jansen on the show. I thought it went really, really well. I mean, it's a little echoey. It's a little echoey, which was kind of expected. We recorded it in a completely different area. I did, when we did it with Kevin and Zach, we recorded it outside. And the one with Brady, we recorded in my kitchen around the island. So it was a lot of, it was really echoey. I knew it was going to happen. I listened back to it. I was like, yep, it's echoey, but it's listenable. It's definitely listenable. There's parts where my microphone goes a little bit quiet and Brady's a little louder, but I don't, I don't know what the real reason behind that was, but yeah, hopefully this one sounds better. I don't know if it'll be as fun because it's just me again. And I know you guys don't really like those types of shows. You'd rather have me have all these different guests on. Because you don't like me, which oh, is fair, which is fair. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, I'm the, 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 the best thing since sliced bread and things like that. But before we get into today's show and what we're going to talk about, make sure you follow Logan Blyman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make subscribe and like on both of those. And then, of course, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you follow or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify account, and leave a rating out of five stars on both, and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. It could be a good description. It could be a bad one. It could be whatever. You want more guests. You want a new host. Whatever. Just let me know down in the description. It can be about the entire show. It can be about an individual show, something you didn't like, something you don't agree with, or something you agree with, uh, what do you call it, vehemently. Like, you got to, you just, just let me know. Just let me know, man. I think we're at like 15 ratings on the Apple Podcast. I don't know what we're on on Spotify. I don't know how you can check that one. But you can leave a five-star rating. And I'd appreciate it if you did. Again, it could be a one-star rating. It could be a five-star rating. I don't really care. Would I like you to do a five-star rating? Yeah, but you don't need to. You know, you don't need to. This isn't, you don't need to do anything. You can, you can leave a description. You can leave a five-star rating. You don't have to do either. You can leave a one-star rating and no description. You can just be a hater for the sake of being a hater. And that can be it. But... Yeah, it's a it's a fun one. I love having people on. So if you want to be on the show in the future, uh, just let me know. And then you you shoot me a time and date that works best for you. And I'm pretty flexible. I don't really have like I don't really have a lot of th- unless I have something like planned weeks ahead. I'm not really someone that's like I've set these goals that set these plans. I'm pretty flexible in what I can do. So if you want to be on the show, just let me know. Give me a time and date, place, whatever, and we will try to make it work. Now, a guess that we brought up earlier was Zach, and uh, Zach Tracy beat me in fantasy football this week. Beat me in fantasy football this week. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, he didn't deserve because he definitely did. He definitely did. I was not confident going in. I was up by one going into the game because it was a two-week thing, and I was up by one, and I was looking. I didn't check my lineup because I was focused on another league, which we'll get to in a little bit. But this one, I forgot to check my lineup because I was so focused on another league that I just completely spaced it out. Now, when I looked at the team and looked at the teams they played, I don't even know what changes I would have really made to my lineup that would have gone, oh, yeah, this was, like there's players on my bench that scored a lot more points than other players, but like Alvin Kamara scored 17 points, but Tony Pollard's been balling out for me recently. Isaiah Pacheco had a favorable, decently favorable matchup against Seattle, and he even scored nine points in the game. Got a rush, or not get a, he didn't get a touchdown. I, I was looking at his numbers in fantasy, and he got a reception, but it's right next to the touchdown column, so it's a little bit uh, misleading. And Alvin Kamara got 17 points, and then a tight end, Mark Andrews. That one I probably should have changed, but they played the Falcons. 
But my issue with that one is I, I probably should change it. Though Tyler Huntley, weirdly enough, is the fourth alternate in the Pro Bowl, and the third alternate is Lamar Jackson, I would have probably changed that for TJ Hawkinson, especially playing the Giants indoors. TJ Hawkinson got 22 points. But I can't even sit here like, oh, man, I was going to make that change, and I didn't. Oh, my God, I'm so mad at myself. And then Nick Folk didn't help at all getting zero points. I think he missed two extra points and missed a field goal as well in this game. So, yeah, it wasn't a – not a great – I just missed two extra points. Didn't even attempt a field goal in this game. But just not a great showing from Logan in that league. And congrats to Zach. And that one's going to hurt because Zach will talk a load of shit to me. He'll talk a lot of shit to me <laughs> because I go in – and I'm not trying to, to toot my own horn or anything, but when I go into fantasy football leagues – like I remember last year – I joined a Noah and Jared and Andrew's Neighborhood League. We've talked about this league before, and I won it in my first year. But before the draft, one of the members, his now wife, came up to me and said, oh, you're Logan. Everybody here is expecting you to win the league. Like, I have this – I'm not saying it's not warranted or it is warranted or whatever, but when I go into a season with fantasy and because I host this, people expect me to do really well in fantasy. I made the playoffs in all four of my leagues that I was in. But when I lose, especially to someone like Zach, who will talk shit to me, <laughs> I, I, you know, it makes it a little bit worse. Makes the feelings a little bit worse. Because out of all the other leagues, he's the one I'd see the most out of the people I played in fantasy this week. And I lost three fantasy playoffs this week. Lost in three playoffs matchups this week. And two of them I don't really care about because one of them I was down by like 40 points or 50 points going into this week. So I didn't, that one I wasn't even worried about. I knew I was going to lose that one. Didn't even put forth an effort to win that one. And I'm not even going to sit here and act like I was going to change that. I, I put forth an effort not to check my lineup because I was like, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. I think I was losing like 77 to 120 or something like that going in to this next round of the playoffs. I was beating Zach by one. So I had the upper hand on him and I lost to Spencer. And I don't know if we brought up Spencer before on the show, but I lost to Spencer in another league again, got blown out in that one. So the only one I really cared about was this one because I was playing someone that I see fairly often. Like I, I don't see Spencer as much as I used to because now he lives up in Ames, so I don't see him as much as I used to. But Zach will make me know, but will make it known that he beat me <laughs> in fantasy football. I am rooting for him to win the league now. I am rooting for him to win the league. There was a chance he was going to play his brother in the championship game, and I, I didn't need that. I thought it would have been funny, but I don't need that. Because I don't need Zach and Landon running the Fantasy Football League this year. Now, I did come close after last night's game with the Chargers and Colts. Uh, Justin Herbert did absolutely nothing in the game. Did absolutely nothing. Like, Herbert almost helped me win. And I had Austin Eckler score 19.9 points, getting two rushing touchdowns in the game. So, like, I was – we had a chance. We ended up losing by, what, four points? I think if Nick Folk <laughs> made two extra points, I think it would have been fine. I think it would have been pretty fine. But, no. We ended up losing the game, and again, losing three playoff games is not really ideal, but the league that I cared the most about is the league that I've had the most weight in, and that's my league that I've been in for freaking years, and that's the league we've talked about before, where I had Trey Lance, I made the Amon Ross St. Brown trade. I am in the freaking championship of that league. Out of all the leagues I was in, if you would have told me before the season started, after all the drafts were done, I guess, and said that that's the league I'm going to make the championship in, I would have called you freaking crazy. Because this is the least confident I've ever been going into a fantasy football season in my entire freaking life. Like, I was so, I was not confident at freaking all. And of course the app's not, or of course the, the web browser's not going to work, so I'm going to have to up to, uh, look at it on my phone. But I was so unconfident going, I drafted Trey Lance and winced the entire time I did it. I was confident in Trey Lance going into the season. 
And I feel I'm vindicated in that, even though he did get he did break his ankle in week two. I think he would have been done really, really well had he not snapped his ankle in week two against the Seattle Seahawks, which completely de- almost derailed my entire season. Like, my team sucked the entire freaking year. And after I made the Amon Ross St. Brown trade, and this is an old thing that we call in fantasy football getting trade raped, that's kind of the situation I had happen with Amon Ross St. Brown getting Jeff Wilson and Michael Carter, who are no longer on my team. So the two players I traded for and the player I traded are not on my team. And the team I'm playing in the championship game happens to be the guy that I traded Amon Ross St. Brown to. And we've both been on a little bit of a, a cold streak in regards to championships. Drew's... Drew's last championship was years ago. I don't even remember last when Drew won the league, but he has gotten a championship. Mine was in 2016. That was my last championship. I've been to the final. I made it last year. I had the number one seed. I was an 11-game win streak. I had not, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Debo Samuel, Justin Herbert. Like My team was freaking stacked. Loaded team. And this was even after Glenn, who's in the league, bashed me for my running backs. And Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris were big reasons why I did so well. Now, this year... Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor went picks one and three, which I don't know why Najee Harris went that high anyways, but uh, yeah, neither one of them have really lived up to that hype this year, but the Colts O-line has been absolute dog shit, and same with the Pittsburgh Steelers one, and uh, Warren's been taking a lot of carries away from Najee this year, having a young quarterback there as well, so there's a lot of different factors that go into the Colts and uh, the Steelers in regards to Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value, but I did not expect to go to the championship out of all the leagues. Out of all the leagues, I thought there was a chance I could make it to the championship. In the other, the three leagues I lost in the playoffs, before the season started, I was fairly confident I could go to the championship game. I was fairly confident. This one, I'm, I'm not going to say I had no confidence, but I had like 0.5% confidence in myself that not only would we go to a championship game, that we would make the playoffs. I needed to win my last game of the regular season to go to the playoffs because what happened was the two people that are currently playing in the Sacco right now, the Toilet Bowl, they played each other the last week of the regular season. So if I lost, I'm just going straight down there because my team was the lowest scoring team in the entire league, the entire, the entire season. Like by far the lowest scoring team in the season. In the playoffs, in half point PPR league, the past two weeks, I scored 141.8 and 129.46. And when I was sitting there on Christmas Day, watching, or Christmas evening, I guess, watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Arizona Cardinals with Trace McSwirly starting, I went in going, wow, the fate of my season really lays in the balance of Trace McSwirly not sucking ass. I texted the group chat, because there's a lot of Cyclone fans in there, and I was like, I need him to have a Brock Purdy-esque performance, which before the season started... If you told me that I was asking for a quarterback to put forth a Brock Purdy-esque performance, I would have called you crazy. There was like a 0.5% chance he was going to see the field at all this year. Trey Lance was supposed to get hurt, and they brought Jimmy Garoppolo in just in case Trey Lance got hurt. And he did, and then Garoppolo, inevitably, I guess, gets hurt. And McSwirly didn't play bad, but the three turnovers they had were so avoidable that I almost ripped out my entire set of hair. Like, I was sitting there... Watching Trace McSorley get strip-sacked on the first drive of the game after they got a fake punt. And then pitching the ball to the backup running back, hitting off his freaking face mask, and then throwing an interception on the last ga- last play of the, of the game, trying to get the ball in the end zone before overtime. It's like three turnovers that are all easily avoidable. On the, the strip-sack, I think it was Joe Tryon that got the sack. He came through untouched. Like, it was so avoidable, and I was sitting there so frustrated 
I was like, I'm really going to lose this league because the Cardinals can't figure their shit out, which I wasn't surprised about. But I was happy going into the game. What made me kind of calm going in was the fact that the Cardinals were already eliminated from the playoffs. So it was kind of one of those situations where they can play spoiler. And the Cardinals have played spoiler before. Remember back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, they kicked the Vikings out of the playoffs with like a three-win team. Josh McCown was the quarterback of the Cardinals back then. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Josh McCown. It was like Dante Culpepper Vikings. And they ended up giving the receiver that caught the ball in Green Bay because the Vikings losing got the Packers into the playoffs. They gave him a key to the city. I don't remember who caught the ball, but the Cardinals have played spoiler before, and the Cardinals beat the Bucs. I'm pretty sure the Panthers vaulted in the first place in the division. So I was sitting there. I was like, okay, maybe they'll be a little bit, um, what do you call it, For be on the forefront a little bit more, which also kind of scared me at the same time because maybe they're going to try and force it a little bit more. Like, I don't know. It was a weird situation, but the, the Cardinals did enough to get him only to hold him to what nine points I believe was was yeah the nine points, and then we were going into Monday Night Football, and my team was done. My team was done after the Dolphins game. Jalen Waddle getting an eighty-four PR touchdown was ridiculous, which helped me out insanely. And we'll get to the Dolphins here in a little bit, but like the Buccaneers thing scared the hell out of me. And then Michael Pittman was left. It was Michael Pittman, and then nobody else. I had to, the Chargers had to do something last night. And then, lo and behold, the Colts go, well, we're going to start Nick Foles for the remainder of the season. And given how bad the Colts' offensive line is, and given how immobile Nick Foles is, I was like, okay. And the fact Jonathan Taylor's not playing, so they're starting Zach Moss, which is never a good sign. And I'm sitting there, I was like, okay, I'm quietly confident. I'm not going to say anything, because the moment I say something, it's going to get jinxed. The Colts never really got that close to scoring. Like, there was not one moment where I actually got nervous. And I got, I looked after the game, I didn't even realize Michael Pittman got what? He got 39 yards. The quietest 39 yards I've ever seen. And we had a whole fan, our, most of our fantasy league went to Drought House last night over in, uh, over in Urbandale. It was a Cubs bar. We met up there last year, the year uh, when I lost the championship. They took a picture of the trophy right in front of me, <laughs> which hurt, which hurt. I have my name on the trophy, but I wanted it on there twice. And, like, sitting there, I was like, man, I'm getting real deja vu right now because I was here last year when I lost the championship. Now I'm in a situation where I might lose the playoffs with Michael Pittman. And everybody's there. Like, Jake's there, the, the dude I was playing. Jake was there. Drew was there, the guy who I'm now playing in the championship game. And a bunch of other people from our league and then a, a few other of our friends from high school as well. But I was like, man, I am nervous as freaking hell. Going into this. And Michael Pittman has not been like an insane fantasy wide receiver this year. But recently, in the past three games, or three of the last four games, he's gotten over 10 points. Like that scared me a little bit. Now, the Chargers did a really good job shutting down the Dolphins off a few weeks ago with Brandon Staley being an, a defensive minded coach. I was quietly confident, but again, I wasn't going to say anything until after the game. And even then, I didn't say anything because Jake and I have a nice mutual respect for each other in fantasy football because we both won leagues. Now, this would have been Jake's third championship. I'm hunting for my second. I would be one of three people to have multiple championships in this league. Well, both Drew and I will have be one of three people to have multiple championships in this league. The others are Drake. Jake was one. Kendrick, he just said he was going to get three, so he already has two. And then Ryan. Ryan has two. Ryan won two in really quick succession. 
And to think that I could have won last year, and I got blasted in the championship game, so it wasn't like it was even close. There was the Colts-Cardinals game last year where the Colts just checked out of every single run game, every single run play they had, and Jonathan Taylor would get they get down to the one-yard line and throw it because Carson Wentz just had to be play hero ball down in Indianapolis, which is why ultimately why they got rid of him. But, man, I did not think by any stretch of the imagination that I would be playing for a championship this year in fantasy football in this league. This is the league I've got the most weight in. I've been in it the longest. Everybody in this league checks their lineups every week. You have to be quick to the draw on the waiver wire or free agency pickups. You have to be freaking fast. And there are some moves that I've made throughout the season or at this point in the season where I moved really fast. And I had to move fast in order to get key players for my team that have helped vault me into this position that I'm in. Jarek McKinnon, what a freaking pickup that was. And at the time when I picked him up, he wasn't even, it was before he got like double digit points. He was just barely getting on the field. And then I was forced to start him because Kenneth Walker and Alvin Kamara, well, Kenneth Walker was injured and then Alvin Kamara was on a bye week. So I was forced to play Jarek McKinnon and then Duke goes off for 30 points. It's like, oh my God, we might've found ourselves a fantasy gem here. And then now with Garrett Wilson on my bench, now that Mike White's coming back, I'm even, I'm like, I have options here. And the thing that I'm nervous about, though, the only thing I'm nervous about is my quarterback situation. And I'm not nervous in like, I I think my quarterbacks will both get two points combined this week. No, it's not that. But my quarterbacks are Kirk Cousins and Tua. So Kirk Cousins has been balling out for me recently. Obviously coming back against the, the Indianapolis Colts last weekend or two weekends ago, have forced to throw the ball. When you're down 33 points, you've got to throw the ball a shit ton, which is what the Vikings did, and they ended up winning the game. And then this week, played well. Played well against the New York Giants. The problem is that they're outside this week. They're in Lambeau Field. I don't know what the weather is going to be, but that's going to be a tough environment. It's not a dome, which makes it scary for me at this point in time. But I have confidence. I've rolled with Kirk. I made a last-minute substitution. At 11.51 on Christmas Day, or not 11.51, 11.51 on uh, Christmas Eve, sorry, I switched Kirk Cousins in Tua. I was going to start Tua, but I had Kirk Cousins starting the week before, and he got me 34 points. So I had to show faith in Kirk Cousins. I had to show loyalty to Kirk Cousins, and I put him back in the lineup, and it worked out because Kirk Cousins got 24, Tua got 10, and Tua threw three horrific interceptions against the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day. He gave me the touchdown with Jalen. Like, that was the perfect storm that game. Jalen Waddell got a touchdown, 84, 85-yard touchdown, which is beautiful. And then the Dolphins lost. Like, I think it's hilarious. We fast back to week three when the Dolphins beat the Bills 21-19. There was a bunch of people that actually, with their mouths, and thought this with their brains, that the Dolphins were the best team in football, or one of the best teams in football, just because they beat the Bills. And then now, fast forward to now, the Bills are 11 and 3, or 12 and 3, number one seed in the AFC, and the Dolphins are 8 and 7, and currently the seventh seed in the playoffs, because the Ravens and Chargers are both locked up playoff spots. Congratulations to both teams. Chargers locked up their playoff spot last night. And it's just like, dude, who looked at that team and said, yeah, you beat the Bills when they were out 70% of their starters in the blistering 120 degree heat on their sideline while you're sitting over there in the shade at 70 degrees? That that's the best team in football. And then when they go up to Buffalo, they make all these excuses, but they told everybody on Twitter, no excuses. So there are no excuses now. <laughs> but seriously, who actually thought they were one of the best teams in football? 
Their team, and I'm glad teams are starting to figure it out now because we've said it all year. When you have the two fast receivers in the NFL, Jalen Wall and Tyreek Hill, all you need to do is run crossing routes because you're asking a defender to try and cr- try and mirror those players across the field. Like, look at the touchdown on the uh, Jalen Waddle's touchdown, both against the Bills and last week and, they, and on Christmas. There weren't anything spectacular. He ran a freaking crossing route and just torched everybody because he's the second fastest player in the league behind Tyreek Hill. Like, the Dolphins use the middle of the field, and that's it. They don't utilize the sidelines. And teams are starting to figure that out. Like, that's all they do. That is literally all they do. And you take away the middle of the field, it gets a little bit harder for Tua to work back there. And Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, for all the greatness that they are, Tua can't get them the ball on the outsides. And if he is, it's underthrown. He does not have a great arm. The people that thought Tua was a top five quarterback in the NFL, we said that off stats a couple weeks ago. We were even questioning that. It's like, well, we have to put him in the top. Remember that a few weeks ago before the Chargers-Dolphins game? We were like, ah, oh, we kind of have to put two in the top five, don't we? But it was just off this year. If we're based on, like, the past however many years, Tua's not top ten. Well, he might be top ten now because there's some quarterbacks that played absolutely atrocious this year. But the others in the top five, they're ballers. They all actually have something that's like, wow, that's elite. Tua does not have that trait. And I'm scared for Tua right now because he got another concussion. Or he's in concussion protocol right now. So that is three concussions in one season. I remember when I was at William Penn, I got two concussions in six months. I didn't get three concussions in the span of about, what, when was that Bengals, the Bills game? So the the Bills-Dolphins game was week three, and it's week 17 now? Or week 16 when he got hurt, I guess? And so we've got... Quick man, 13 weeks. He's gotten three concussions in 13 weeks. That is insane. So not only are we questioning whether Tua should play this season, there's going to be real talks about him possibly never playing again. And I think that's a real possibility and really something he should think about. Because this is about long-term health right now. And people are saying that's why he threw the three interceptions. The three interceptions were just brutal. I don't know if you want to label that down to he was concussed that entire time he was throwing all those interceptions because they were brutal. But he should really think about uh, not playing again. I'm not even being like, I'm not even joking here. That's something that has to cross his mind or at least get talked about because this Dolphins training staff is going to throw him out there regardless of how healthy he is. We saw that in the Bills game. Like he's not, he should not be playing right now. Like it's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. And the thing with Tua is, I think that if he's not playing, his confidence goes, like, to zero. Like, I have never seen a team, like, try to boost up a quarterback's confidence to this level. And every time he does something bad, they're rallying around him. Like, Mike McDaniel saying that was his bad on the play. Have you ever seen a coach do that? Regardless if it is or not, I think that's a situation where we're looking at, like, he needs to do that, otherwise Tua's going to go in a freaking shell. We saw Tyreek Hill hype him up before the season started about being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, doing things better than the current MVP favorite, Patrick Mahomes. Anything better than Patrick Mahomes was ridiculous. Like, his confidence was so down after the whole Brian Flores situation to now we're sitting like everything he does has to be praised to the nth degree. And you heard me and Brady kind of joke about it, not kind of, joke about it on Monday's show. Being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. That most NFL accurate quarterback in NFL history. 
That's what we've been led to believe this year. Or at least that's what we've been told by the Miami, Dol- Miami Dolphins and their coaching staff, their players, and all that stuff. Mike McDaniel made a 700 clip, at least I think that was the number, 700 clip clips of Tua to prove he's a good quarterback. I've never seen a quarterback with this little self-belief, and it's all, at least from the outside in. From the outside, looking from the outside in, this dude has no confidence in himself. And I hope that that lack of confidence does not urge him to keep going out there. Because he feels like, oh, I got to prove something. I got to do this. I got to do it. No. Again, dude should actually be thinking about his long-term health and thinking about, oh, I probably shouldn't play this game ever again. And it's obviously different between me and him. He Obviously, he's on the professional level. I never made it past NAIA, NAIA football. And I even play that often at William Penn, if at all. And it was even hard for me back that point to say, I'm done with football. It's going to be a 10 times harder for him, especially when you look at all the money he's going to be passing up. Because Stephen Ross and the entire Dolphins organization have built so much money to build around Tua and came up with a whole mantra of tank for Tua that he's going to get paid. I don't know what his contract's going to look like, but he's going to get paid in Miami. So to walk away from all of that is going to be hard. But for his long-term health, he actually needs to sit down and think about that. Buffalo Bills center Mitch Morse got his sixth concussion. I had six concussions throughout my life in sports. They said you should stop at three, let alone get six. Tua's had three this year. So there's another player that might think about possibly retiring. He was thinking about retiring when he signed for the Bills. He had a concussion scare in his first practice in Buffalo. And now he's got his sixth one this year. So we're looking at a possible situation of, wow, we could be seeing two pretty big-name players missing out. Mitch Morse just made the Pro Bowl. Tua's had a very successful year this year, all things considered. And that's not me just trying to hype him up because it might hurt his feelings if I say otherwise. But it's been a, yeah, they need to actually start thinking about long-term health. And that's the, I'm glad that's the direction a lot of players are using right now because there is things outside of football it's not like they're going to be instantly broke if they don't play football ever again. This is a completely different age than what it was back in the 70s and 80s. Which could make it a little bit harder, I guess, because of the money involved. But people didn't want to back away back then because you were seen as a pussy if you sat out from football. If you you got a concussion, get your ass back out there. Completely different mindset back then versus right now. But you got to actually think about it. you got to think about it. And for Tua's long-term health, again... Should probably think about hanging it up. And speaking of another quarterback that might be hanging it up, uh, that is a Jet, soon to be former Jets quarterback, <laughs> Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson's situation has kind of turned into a freaking mess. I don't know what's going on with that situation because I think Zach Wilson, after watching Thursday Night Football last week, after watching the Jets-Jaguars game, like I think Zach Wilson has the tools to be a solid enough quarterback in the NFL. But his confidence, talking about ground floor level confidence, that dude's got no confidence whatsoever. And he's already torched the locker room when he did that whole, do you feel like you're any responsible for the deep, for the offense struggling today? No. That lost like 95% of the locker room, I would imagine. And I heard this on the post game after the Jets-Jaguars game. When you've torched a locker room, how likely is that that you gain that back, especially with the way he's playing right now? 
He's not going to gain it back. And the Jets are already thinking of plans of releasing him this offseason or letting him go this offseason, and I don't blame him. The Jets won't play for him. The players will not do anything for him right now. The offensive line's not going to block for him. I don't care how many scooters he gets. He probably shouldn't have done that because he's going to need some money. He ain't going to have to save money when he goes somewhere else this offseason. We're going to have another Josh Rosen 2.0 probably on our hands. Guy's super talented, but just bounced around the NFL. I think Josh Rosen just signed with the Vikings, I think. I could be wrong about that, but I think I saw something on Instagram that he signed with the Vikings, which is ridiculous that he's still in the NFL. But that's another situation like, dude, when you don't say stupid things, if you just don't say stupid things, you'll be fine. Josh Rosen's whole rant after the draft, and even the pre-draft stuff, that ruined everybody's opinion about him. I guarantee that ruined everybody's opinion about him. His attitude sucks. He went in post-draft, and people are like, oh, I love the confidence. And you can't do that and then go 3-13. and 13. You can't come in right off the draft and basically call every draft pick shit when a few players that were drafted above you are Saquon Barkley, Roquan Smith, Quentin Nelson, and then Josh Allen. You cannot go into there and go, yeah, all these guys are shit. There were nine mistakes taken in front of me. I'm cool with confidence. I'm cool with confidence. Overconfidence is a killer. Especially when you have nothing to back it up at that point. So you cannot say that after the draft. You're supposed to just be, man, I'm really grateful for the situation I'm in. Uh, yeah, just just need to be grateful and thankful that a team either traded up to get you like the Cardinals did or just took you at all. And that and then they go on how many Super Bowls, how many Super Bowls are you gonna win? How many does Tom Brady have? At the time I think he had six. So he's like, I'm gonna win seven. If you win seven, I'm gonna win eight. So it's like, dude, stop. And that crushed a lot of people in regards to, I want to play for that guy. I want that guy to be the face of my franchise. That's a similar situation to what's going on with Zach Wilson with, do you think you hold any responsibility for the offense being, I'm paraphrasing here, complete shit? No. Didn't even, didn't even care to elaborate on that. Just said no and looked the opposite direction. Like, Zach Wilson went from the second overall pick in the draft to now, we don't know where the hell he's going to be next year. And the guys who drafted him are both still there. You know how bad you have to be to have the guys that drafted you cut you, potentially? Or trade you? I don't know what his trade value is. They're probably just going to have to cut loss, cut their losses with them at this point. I don't know who's going to trade for him. Because at least with Rosen, he only had one bad year. There was still something salvageable there. But Zach Wilson made it worse as he's gone on this season. Like, I defended Zach Wilson before the 2021 NFL draft. I actually did. Like, I remember sitting there at the time, everybody bashing his character, going like, oh, he comes from money, so he's a terrible person. I went there and said, well, just because he comes from money does not mean he's a terrible person. I don't know Zach Wilson. He could be a complete dickhead. He could be. I don't know him. But don't judge him based off just because his uncle owns JetBlue or whatever. It's like, oh, he wasn't voted captain. He was voted captain. They don't stitch C's on jerseys when you're not voted captain. I'm sorry. That just doesn't happen. Like, I thought Zach Wilson had the tools to be a success at the NFL level. And then when he made that throw at the, at the at a BYU's Pro Day, everybody lost their freaking minds. And it was like, oh, God, Zach Wilson's guaranteed to go second overall at this point. And then ever since then, it's been, oh, this has kind of been weird. This has not worked out in any level whatsoever. He looks so antsy back there. Every throw is on a freaking line. Every single time he drops back, he's staring down his wider receivers. I don't know if he can read a defense anymore. 
I don't know if his confidence is that shot where he doesn't believe in his own abilities anymore. Because that dude is not the same Zach Wilson that got drafted. I watched a lot of Zach Wilson that year at BYU. We did a show watching the Coastal Carolina BYU game. Like, he had all the tools to be a very, very good quarterback in the NFL. And then now we're sitting here, not even two years, fully two years into his NFL career. And we're questioning whether or not he's going to be in the NFL post this year. Or he's going to be one of those other first-round draft picks that just completely flops, and we're asking what the hell happened there. And it doesn't help that Justin Fields went, what, nine picks later to the Bears at number 11, and he just rushed for 1,000 yards. Sure, he's got some inconsistencies in his past game, but the Bears have one of the least talented rosters in the entire NFL currently. And you look at some of the players on the Bears, they trade away Robert Quinn, they trade away Roquan Smith. What else do they have there? Like, if you compare the Jets and Bears... The Jets have better weapons. When Brees Hall is healthy, the, the Jets have a better run game. The Jets arguably have a better old line. I'm not saying the Jets' old line is anything special. That's how bad the Bears' off the line is. Defensively, the Jets have one of the best front three front fours in the NFL, namely Quinn and Williams. They had some decent linebacker options. They got Sauce Gardner, who's been balling out this year, starting corner for the AFC as a rookie. Who do the Bears have? Again, they traded away their two best defensive players this year. Trey Robert Quinn to the Eagles and Roquan Smith to the Ravens. What else do they really have on defense? They don't really have anything. Like Kyler Gordon picked off Josh Allen this past week. But you compare the Jets and Bears, it's not really... Like, Zach Wilson is in a better situation than Justin Fields is. And Justin Fields is playing a thousand times better than what Zach Wilson is. It's just weird. It's weird. That's what we talk about with the draft process. It's a whole thing about overthinking things. Like, you get so locked in on one individual trait that you lose sight on every other aspect of his game. And then you're stuck in a situation like this where you're thinking about actually cutting the second overall pick. Again, not even two years into his NFL career. He's benched. He's been the, un- he's been the undressed third-string quarterback He's going back to that this week because Mike White's back. So this has been five weeks where this has been a thing when he's not been hurt. Because remember, he didn't start the season because he was hurt. He came off a knee injury in the preseason. And then now we're going to Mike White and the fans. Like, like you knew it was bad. You know, you already knew it was bad. But then when Zach Wilson not only gets benched in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he gets benched for Chris Strievler who was a former kind of rotational piece with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when they won the Grey Cup a few years ago. And then he played for the Cardinals. He's bounced around the NFL a little bit. He was their running option for the Jets in this game. And he comes into the game with the crowd chanting, we want Joe, we want Joe, or we want Flacco, or Flacco, 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 or we want Joe, we want Joe. Like the Jets is a very, playing in, New Jersey <laughs> is a very tough environment to play in. You got to be a very strong-headed individual. This is why Eli Manning worked out there. He's not really getting involved in that. That's why the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. Regardless of what you think about Daniel Jones, he's not going to get involved and start going. Do you think you're responsible for how bad the offense is? No, he's not going to do that. At least that's I don't think he will. I could be wrong about that. But Chris Strebler comes in the game after running the ball a few times, going absolutely nowhere. And then they bench Zach Wilson for Chris Strebler, and he throws a pass to, I believe it was C.J. Uzama, who was wide-ass open, 
and underthrew him by about five yards, and C.J. Uzama had to go back to get the ball. And the crowd gave him a standing ovation. That is the worst ball I've ever seen get a standing ovation ever in my lifetime watching football. But that's how bad Zach Wilson has been for the New York Jets this season. Like, there were moments last year like, okay, this is stuff we can build on here. This year, it's like, what is there to build on anymore? His confidence is shot. He's lost the locker room. They love Mike White. Like, Mike White's playing with three fractured ribs against the Bills and going back out there. Zach Wilson's not doing that. When you're a starter and you blatantly say that you do not feel any responsibility, when you're the quarterback of an NFL franchise, or just a quarterback in general, I heard Dan Orlovsky say this. We brought this up a few weeks ago when Zach Wilson first dropped that quote. The line is, when you lose, it's I and me. When you win, it's us and we. That's what it is. You cannot go out there as a starting quarterback, regardless if it's right or wrong, regardless if you're truly at fault for it or not, you cannot go out there and say you're not, you don't feel any responsibility for how bad the offense is. We said the same thing to Justin Fields when he talked about the fans don't understand or fans aren't hurting as bad as we are because we're in the locker room. It doesn't matter if it's true. You can't say it. It doesn't matter if it's true. You can't go around saying that. You're the franchise quarterback. You can't go around saying that. And then when you have that guy that's not taking responsibility for anything, regardless if it's true or not, again, it doesn't matter. You're a starting quarterback of an NFL team. It does not matter if you're actually at fault for these things. You need to suck it up and say that. You need to man up, ball up, and say that. And then you got that versus Mike White, who again is playing with three fractured ribs. The team is rallying around Mike White. I don't know what the team feels about Zach Wilson. I'm, they clearly don't want to play with him. I don't know how they feel about him like in the locker room. They don't want to play with him. That much is abundantly clear. Like Garrett Wilson looks like an all-pro receiver with Mike White and then looks like some scrub with Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson can't get on the ball for whatever reason. The Jets have really solid options at wide receiver and tight end. They have really solid options. And their defense, as we said before, is already a very, very solid defense. With some very key pieces in there. Big names in that defense as well. Like Quentin Williams and Sauce Gardner are just two very, 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 very good players. Insanely good players. Offensive line will need some improvement, yes. But it's not atrocious, atrocious. Like the Bears offensive line. Atrocious, atrocious. But this offseason, it's going to be weird for how the Jets... It's going to be interesting to see how the Jets handle this quarterback situation. Because I, I've said this before. I'll keep saying it. I think the Jets will go after Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy the Jets will go after. Because Robert Saul is a San Francisco San Francisco guy. LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, is a San Francisco guy. Is the quarterback coach a San Francisco guy? No, he's not. But he came for the Broncos, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think that's a natural fit there. I think going back to the East Coast, he's well-loved in New England. Which would be another quarterback of theirs. He used to play for the Patriots who is loved by Patriots fans that still plays for a division rival. Drew Bledsoe is the one before that. Drew Bledsoe got traded the Buffalo Bills after Brady took the starting job, beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, and then Patriots fans still rock around with Drew Bledsoe jerseys on. He's in their freaking ring of honor. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is well-loved by all Patriots fans. Patriots fans want him back. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is anything spectacular, but they want him back. So the Jets could go into the next offseason with Jimmy Garoppolo and Mike White, and I think that's actually a fairly solid... It's not a long-term answer, but it's a solid option for you at the quarterback position. You need to address the offensive line, but the Jets, if they can finish the offensive line and bring in Jimmy Garoppolo and have a competition between him and Mike White, 
because Jimmy Garoppolo inevitably will get hurt. It's just going to happen. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the future holds for Zach Wilson. I really don't. It's not even like Mike White's been playing lights out or anything. But people just rally around that type of player. Like someone that will keep getting up when he's hurt. Because people on a football team want the quarterback to be more than a quarterback. Quarterback's seen as the prissy position where you got the red jersey at practice. You don't get hit. You don't like contact. The team will rally around you when you they view you as a football player. Like when you get hurt, keep bouncing back, keep playing. That's why the Bills, when Josh Allen had his struggles rookie year, that's why the Bills never backed away from Josh Allen because he was a freaking football player. The team rallied around that. Teams love that kind of stuff. So that's why Mike White is so beloved in New York, but I don't know if he's a long-term answer for the Jets at this point. But bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo and have him and Mike White there, I think that's solid. Joe Flacco's not going to be back next year, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, Joe Flacco's, what, 37 years old? He'll be, ter- he'll be 38 in January. So I don't think Flacco will be back. I don't think Wilson will be back. I think the Wilson thing's a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't know when they'll release him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they released him at this point in the season. But, yeah, it's a freaking mess. And then speaking of uh, freaking messes, well, the Jets aren't really – it's kind of funny. The Jets aren't really a quote-unquote mess. Their quarterback situation's messy, but it's not really a mess per se. Denver is a freaking mess. That's a mess. And Nathaniel Hackett finally got fired. I think it's a few weeks too late. But you know how bad you have to be to be a first-year head coach and then get fired in week 16 and still be considered, well, that was a lot later than what it should have been. Like, my Hackett should have probably been fired at, like, week three. The offense was so dead the entire time. And I've seen things today pop up. Or uh, was it? Yeah, it was today. Yeah, it was this morning. Uh, Broncos can deny it, but sure seemed like Hackett was hired to lure Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think they went out with that idea to get Aaron Rodgers, and he signed that contract extension with the Ra- the Packers this offseason, like a two-year deal. I don't remember exactly what the deal was. I was talking to a, a few friends at Drought House last night who are Packers fans. I couldn't remember what this deal was. I said four years, but I don't I don't think that was I don't think that's right. But uh going the offseason trying to get Aaron Rodgers, having to pivot and get Russell Wilson, and it's just a freaking mess. And Hackett's not the only issue on this team. The old line's been playing like dog shit all year. Russell Wilson's obviously not been playing great. Actually, he's been playing really bad. I guess not playing great is putting it nicely. But the things Hackett did, like the, the decisions mid-game, the player personnel selections, the play selections, were just so odd. Like, the thing that always stands out to me, but like the Seahawks games at the start, that weird-ass not calling a timeout thing and then missing the field goal and end up losing the game, a game you should have won. And it doesn't even matter, like, Broncos fans would be like, in hindsight with the Broncos being so bad, yeah, that loss is fine because then you get a higher draft pick. But the problem is the Seahawks own that draft pick. So you're not even tanking for picks. You got the Dolphins pick after you traded Bradley Chubb to them. But that's it. You would have, what is their pick right now? Let's see what the... The Seattle Seahawks' first pick of the first round is at, right, at this current point. Right now, the Seahawks pick third. So that would be the Denver Broncos pick. Third overall pick. And I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans would wish that (laughs) not only did they not have Russell Wilson, but that they had that pick available. Because offensively, they're, like, 
Sutton is tired of it. Judy gets pissed off even when he catches the ball. Like, Hackett completely lost the locker room. Russell Wilson's trying his damnedest to lose the locker room along with Hackett. But the problem is, Russell Wilson's dead cap is like, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's astronomical. Like, you cannot, under any circumstance, unless he threw like 100 interceptions, can cut Russell Wilson and feel fine about that. Financially. It's a bad, it's a bad contract. And in hindsight, that trade sucked ass. And the entire Broncos team, which I don't even... Did we have them making the playoffs this year? I don't even remember if we did or not, if I'm being honest. I don't remember. Did we have the Broncos make the playoffs? Hold on. I don't think we did, but I'm not confident in saying that. Because we didn't do a whole season predictions. Is this the right one? I believe this is the right one. Oh, he did have to make They had him squeaking in as the seven seed at 10 and seven. But, like, I didn't think they'd go on and win the freaking Super Bowl. We had them losing the first round of the playoffs. But, like, I did not, under any circumstance, expect, expect them to be this bad. Like, they are bad. Like, not even funny to watch bad. Like, there's teams you can watch that are like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. I, I want to sit through and watch this. It'd be kind of fun. They're entertaining bad teams. That is such a thing. Like, the Texans are bad. The Bears are bad. But I can sit down and watch them. The Broncos are unwatchable. The Broncos are averaging right now. What is their current points per game? What is their current points per game? They are sitting at 15.5 points a game. Like, the Bears average 20. And the Bears aren't even great. The Texans average 16.9, but they were expected to be bad. So it's kind of funny just to sit down and watch them. Like, the Broncos are unwatchable and you have a really solid defense that got lit up by freaking Baker Mayfield on Christmas Day out of freaking nowhere and Tyler Higby but like I'm looking at their depth chart right now and the other thing I was going to bring up with Nathaniel Hagen player personnel selections was the whole thing with Javante Williams Melvin Gordon was good enough to take carries away from Javante Williams and then he's not good enough to take carries away from Latavius Murray and then not only that he gets cut so the guy who was taking carries away from a, a second round draft pick in Javante Williams who was expected to be one of the best backs in the NFL this year, is losing carries to Melvin Gordon. And then Lamonte Murray, Latavius Murray comes in, and he takes carries away from the guy who was taking carries away from Javante Williams. It's like, what the what? What is the thought process there? What is the thought process there? This team stinks. Like, and we saw this in Buffalo when he was the offensive coordinator there. This is another situation of a guy who got a job because – he knew Aaron Rodgers, or he knew Tom Brady, or he knew Peyton Manning. Like, Adam Gase got two head coaching jobs because he once coached Peyton Manning in Denver. What do you do in those situations? What all did Adam Gase do in those situations? Now, Adam Gase is a much better coach than Nathaniel Hackett, and to my knowledge, didn't really lose any locker rooms. As far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, Adam Gase was a real players coach. The players seemed to really like Adam Gase, at least as far as I remember. And then Josh McDaniels, what do you do when Brady's – when you're the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady, what are you doing? Because he looked good in his first however many weeks of the pay, with the Broncos and then beat the Patriots, and then that was it. Traded up to get jo- Tim Tebow. That was his guy. That was his guy. Tim Tebow was Josh McDaniels' guy. And that didn't work out. And then he got fired, crawled his ass between his – tail between his legs back to New England, 
went to Indianapolis for a day, if that, and then went back to New England to be the OC, and then left this offseason for Vegas. And the Raiders right now are talking about teams that are dysfunctional. The Raiders are right up there as well. Like the Raiders are not six and nine, better than the Broncos, which doesn't take a whole lot. Doesn't take a whole lot. The Broncos scored 232 points this season. They're the worst road team in the NFL. Or one of them. The one of them. Falcons are right there with them at one and seven. The Broncos are one and seven as well. Then you got the Bears at one and six. But man. Like compared to all the other bad, bad teams in the NFL, their defense is not giving up that many points. They're giving up 304 points, which is the least amount of points allowed in uh, in at least their division and is the third lowest, fourth lowest in the entire AFC. Yeah. The other teams that are below that are the freaking Jets, Patriots, and Bills. The Bills give up the least amount of points, and then it's followed by the Jets and Patriots and then the Broncos. The difference is the worst team out of those three has seven wins. The Broncos have four. And a, a really bad four. Like that game against the freaking uh, freaking Rams was ridiculous. I didn't watch the first half, and I'm damn thankful I did didn't watch the first half because that would have been very testing for me. Like the random game they showed up was the Chiefs two weeks ago. How did that? How was that the game you actually showed up for? They beat the Niners. Somehow, the best team in the NFC, one of the best teams in football right now, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, at least one of the favorites to win the NFC, and that's with Brock Purdy. Like, if you had told me before the season started, Brock Purdy would be starting for the 49ers, and they'd be not only a playoff team or a division winner, but a favorite to win the conference and win the Super Bowl versus the Broncos with Russell Wilson, that they'd be a 4-11 and team and average 15.5 points a game, I would have called you crazy. Are to call you freaking crazy. But right now, the 49ers have a plus 145 scoring differential, which is the second highest in the NFL behind the Buffalo Bills, who have a plus 157. Bills averaging for or scoring 420 points, LOL, this season, which I believe is the most in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Yes, because the Chiefs are average. I guess it's below the Cowboys and Eagles, too. I guess I didn't even see that. But the Chiefs are at 438 who are the second highest in the NFL. The Eagles are the, the highest with a 145. But man, I the Broncos are ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. Like I, Russell Wilson is, and I remember seeing this at the beginning of the season when the Broncos first started not playing very well. It was like, you can take the corny corniness, you can take the uh, like disingenuous nature of Russell Wilson, when you're winning, but when you're losing, like like the Broncos have in the ways they're losing with how bad the offense has been, you're going to lose the locker room fairly quick. But again, the issue is no one's going to trade for Russell Wilson. You can't cut Russell Wilson, so you have to fire the coach and try to salvage Russell Wilson. I don't know who the hell you're bringing in. Apparently, Sean, uh, Sean Payton's building an all-star coach coaching tree or coaching system to come back to the NFL. And he's the current favorite to be the Broncos head coach. Dan Quinn was talking about being the Broncos head coach last offseason. So he's going to be one of the favorites to get back in the coaching gig there. He's currently the D coordinator of the Cowboys. But they probably need to get someone in on offense. If they bring in Dan Quinn, they're going to have to bring someone in a really talented offense coordinator. Brian Callahan from Cincinnati could be another name mentioned up there as regards to a, 
uh, offensive coordinator that could become a head coach this offseason. I think he'd be up there. Eric Bieniemy is another guy that'll be mentioned up there. But yeah, this is a a freaking mess in Denver. And I have a, quite a few friends, surprisingly, that are Broncos fans. Like, people in my fantasy football league, there's about three Broncos fans in that league. Maybe four, but I, I know three for sure. I There might be four in there. But yeah, they're brutal. They're absolutely brutal. No one expected them to be like this. Four and 11. 232 points scored this season. 232. For context, the Houston Texans have scored 254, <laughs> who have two wins, and beat the Tennessee Titans, which is freaking awesome. By the way, I hate the Titans. I love Malik Willis, but, man, the Titans are bad. The Titans are right up there with the Broncos, though, for one of the most most unwatchable teams in the league, in my opinion. I hate watching the Titans. I don't like the team in general, but it makes me – it curdles my skin even more when I have to actually sit down and watch them play. They're so one-dimensional – it's so not fun that I just, I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I can't stand Mike Vrabel either. I understand he's a good coach, but I cannot stand Mike Vrabel. And I would really love to see the Jacksonville Jaguars make the playoffs out of there. Which, a few years ago, when Jalen Ramsey was there, remember when the Jaguars made the AFC Championship game, lost to the Patriots, and then uh, talked a little shit going into the offseason, then finished with four wins, five wins, whatever it was, with Doug Marone. They were one of my least favorite teams in the league. Doug Marone, dickhead, uh left the Bills to try and be the head coach of the Jets, didn't get that job, ended up taking an assistant head coaching job slash off to line coach with the Jaguars. And, uh, yeah, went to the ja- went Jaguars. Then we had Jalen Ramsey talking shit about Josh Allen, saying he was trash before he played down in the NFL. It turns out, wow, Josh Allen's not really that trash. So I hated the Jaguars. But I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Travis Etienne. I like Doug Peterson. So I'm, I really have no issue with the Jaguars making the playoffs at this point. And they're fun. I love how Trevor Lawrence is playing right now. They're a fun team. And I would much rather have them make the playoffs than the Titans. Much rather have them. I love Malik. Again, I love Malik Willis. But I would much rather have the Jaguars in the playoffs. If I'm talking about who I would want to face, I want the Titans to make it. But if I want to just, like, screw the Titans, miss it, I'd rather have the Jaguars make it. It's kind of a similar situation with the Dolphins. Like, I think it'd be freaking hilarious. It's the only time I've ever said this in my entire life. I hope the Patriots make the playoffs over the Dolphins. That would be... Just the funniest situation ever. Dolphins go from the number one team in the NFL to a top three team in the NFL to a lot of people after they beat the Bills to missing the playoffs would be would just be freaking hilarious. And I predicted the Dolphins would go nine and eight this year. They're at eight and seven right now. There's a real possibility they go nine and eight. There's a possibility they go eight and nine. There's a possibility, I guess, they go ten and seven. But we're not gonna talk about that opposite option there. But they play the Jets and Patriots next. So the Patriots are next in Foxborough. Possibility of Tua not playing. And then you've got the New York Jets in the last week of this regular season. And right now, Tua's questionable. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think, has been dressing recently. So I don't know who, who the situation is going to be, if it's going to be Skylar Thompson going in or if it's going to be Bridgewater. Because I the Bills game, Bridgewater wasn't dressed. So I don't know what the situation is going in there with uh, with him. I heard inkling. Now i got to check this because I want to make sure it's correct. Hold on. Ah, he's not there. He's not there. I uh, Reed Sinnott, the greatest high school quarterback of all time, there were some rumors yesterday, last night, that he was on the Dolphins practice squad. Uh, he is not. He is currently on the San Antonio Brahmas in the XFL. 
Because remember, they just had the XFL is coming back this spring. Heinz Ward is the coach for this team. And Reed Sinnott is with Jack Cohn of Wisconsin and Notre Dame fame as two of the quarterbacks on the roster. Juwan Pass and Anthony Russo are the other quarterbacks. So I think we're going to be a San Antonio Brahmas fan because you have the best quarterback of all time in Reed Sinnott. You're down to be good. You're down to be good. So if they had him, then I would just start him right away. Like Reed Sinnott led the league in passing yards the last week of the preseason last year against the Cincinnati Bengals ended up going to the Super Bowl. So if you're sitting here and saying Reed Sinnott, it's not a good quarterback. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, the Dolphins, Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, if Tua can't go, which I would just not play him at this point. And that's not even me trying to be funny about like the Dolphins missing the playoffs. Because the Dolphins' playoff chances go down with Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson playing for him. That's just fact. I don't think Tua's amazing, but he's better than the other two options they have. So, not just because of that, but because of the fact his health is more important than the Dolphins making the playoffs, hypothetically, or missing the playoffs. But right now, the playoffs currently stand in the AFC. We got the Bills at the one, then we got the Chiefs, Bengals, Jaguars at the four, then we got the Ravens, Chargers, then right now it's the Dolphins. And then the NFC, we got the Eagles at one, Vikings two, Niners three, the Bucks are clinging on to that four spot with all they got. And then you've got the Cowboys at the five seed. And what are the other options here? Cowboys at the five, Giants at the six, and then the Commanders at the seven spot. I think that's what it is right now. And I saw this the other day, and I think this is really funny. Someone posted the the rounds each quarterback was drafted from each playoff team, the NFC and the AFC. And for the AFC, let's just look at this. Josh Allen, first overall, first overall, first round pick. Mahomes, first round pick. Burrow, first round pick. Uh, four seed. Trevor Lawrence, first round pick. And those four are all top ten picks with two number one overall picks in Burrow and Lawrence. And then we've got um, Lamar Jackson, first-round draft pick. Though Tyler Huntley is playing right now undrafted, but we're going with Lamar Jackson. Herbert, first-round draft pick. Herbert, another top ten draft pick, sixth overall. And then Tua, first-round draft pick. And if you want to throw in the, the Patriots who are 7-8, Mac Jones, first-round draft pick. Uh, Jets? Zach Wilson was the most recent starter, so even though he's not going to play the rest of the year, Zach Wilson's a first-round draft pick. Then we got the Steelers, 7-8. and eight. Kenny Pickett, first-round draft pick. So and then we got the Titans. If Ryan Tannehill can come back, I know he's supposed to be out the rest of the regular season, but if he comes back, first-round draft pick. So you got all these different first-round draft picks available in the playoffs. The only team that's still alive in the playoffs does not have a first-round draft pick starting for them is the Raiders' Derek Carr, and he's a second-round draft pick. So that's the latest. All the playoff, the potential playoff teams in the AFC – are all first-round draft picks, apart from, I guess, Mike White was a fifth-round draft pick, but just for just for the sake of this, we're going to count Zach Wilson since he started the last game. And then Derek Carr's a second-round draft pick. Then we look at the NFC. Number one seed, Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, second-round draft pick. Then we got Dak, I think fourth-round draft pick. Kirk Cousins, I think fourth-round draft pick. Then we've got Brady, sixth-round draft pick. Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, seventh-round draft pick. Geno Smith, second-round draft pick. Then you got Daniel Jones, first-round draft pick, sixth overall. And then you've got the Washington Commanders, Taylor Heineke, undrafted. Now, Carson Wentz came in later in last week's game. So, you know, you had uh, you have another first-round pick there, second overall pick there. Jared Goff's first-round draft pick, Aaron Rodgers' first-round draft pick, but that's not the point. The teams that are currently in the playoffs right now, for the NFC, there's one first-round draft pick, that's Daniel Jones, sixth overall draft pick. One. Versus the AFC, where every team that's available in the playoffs, apart from two, is currently starting a first-round draft pick. I just think that's really funny at this point in time. 
I thought I screenshotted it, but I guess I did not end up screenshotting it. But um, yeah, I don't really have a whole much more to talk about. I guess we could talk about a little bit about the MVP. I think right now it's Mahomes. I don't really. I think Josh Allen is uh, kind of axed himself out of that. I think Mah- I think Allen could come second. I don't think he'll win it. I think with Hertz being out for however long he's out, for however long he's out, and then Allen playing Joe Burrow next Monday, which is going to be an absolutely insane game in Cincinnati. My sister's freaking stupid. She wants the Bills to play that night game. I don't want to play the Cincinnati Bengals at night. I don't want to do that. I think it deserves to be a night game, but I don't want to play the Bengals at night. Like, this game at the start of the season was like, oh, this might not be as fun as it should have been. But then as the season went on, the Bengals just looked really, really good. And it was kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing for the early portion of the season. Like, which Bengals team are you going to get? And now we've got a really, really good Bengals team that's playing some really, really good football. Though Lyle Collins starting right tackles out for the season with torn ACL. That's a big, big loss for a team that's already got a shit-ass offensive line. So, not ideal. Not ideal for them, but it's going to be a great game. But right now, if I had to rank the MVP as of right now, I think it will change once Burrow and Allen play. I think whoever wins the Burrow and Allen game will finish second. But right now, I think it's Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, and then Justin Jefferson. I think that's your top five. I think Justin Jefferson should really get a shot at winning that because really he's had the best season this year at every player in the NFL. Like he is uh, less than 200 yards away from Calvin Johnson's all-time receiving record. I think it's 200 yards away. Maybe I don't know the exact record. It's just over 1,900 yards. Uh, uh, what is it? I don't know the exact record, but he's close to it. He's close to it. And Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts, whatever, they're not having like historic seasons. They're not having historic seasons. I think those three are, like, at least Mahomes. I, I like I like Jalen Hurts a lot, but I don't think he's as good in just normal sense as Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. I think if you took those three out of their teams, they're a different team than if you take the Vikings. Now, Justin Jefferson's value is insane. I understand that. But they have options. The Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, I know that I, I've said this before. I think the Bills would be the most hurt by that because the drop-off between what they can do between Josh Allen and Case Keenum is exponential. And the Bengals got, I think, Brandon Allen. I think he's their backup. And then the Chiefs got Chad Henney. I think Henney's still the backup there. Like I think those losses would be huge. And then Jalen Hurts has Gardner Minshew. We saw him play decently. The Eagles just turned the ball over in the most inopportune times against the Dallas Cowboys last week. It was ridiculous. But Justin Jefferson, I think, really deserves the MVP. I don't think he will get Well, I know he won't get it. But he'll get the offensive player of the year. He'll get offensive player of the year. And uh, that's basically the the receipt, the MVP for players not quarter positions not quarterbacks. It's kind of like a Cy Young award where the MVP is all quarterbacks, and then they can sometimes win off to player of the year. Like pitchers in baseball, you have the Cy Young award, and you sometimes you'll see them win MVP. Sometimes it's rare, but it does happen. It's kind of like this: like quarterbacks got the MVP award, which is Cy Young, and then they can win the off to player of the year if they had some insane season, like pitchers. They're almost guaranteed to win the – like, pitchers are guaranteed to win the Cy Young because it's, it's a pitcher award. The MVP in the NFL is basically a quarterback award. And the offensive player of the year is the MVP of the league outside of the quarterbacks, unless quarterbacks went absolutely buck wild this year. And I think the top two guys in the offensive player of the year rankings are Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. I think those are the only two options there. I mean, Josh Jacobs has played well this year. I think Stephon Diggs will be mentioned up there. Maybe you get Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen, or Hurts mentioned in that category as well, but – I don't know. I think Justin Jefferson has to win some sort of award this year. And as for the Super Bowl, I think the Bills, the thing with the Bills that's kind of funny at this point in time, like that game on Saturday between the Bears was not a good game. It was not a good game. They're losing 10-6 to at halftime. 
But the thing with the Bills, when you score 35 points and play like that, like what are you going to be when you're at your absolute best? Now, the temperature, the, the conditions were not the most optimal. Optimal. Josh Allen threw a couple of really bad interceptions. Again, I don't think he'll win MVP, but I think he can finish second. I think Mahomes has got MVP right now, especially with Hurts getting hurt. Pun intended, I guess. But 35 points, playing like that, 200 yards or close to 100 yard rushers. James Cook almost he had 99, 99 yards rushing for James Cook. Got a touchdown. Devin Singletary had 106. That's what I want to see because we've talked about this before with the Bills. They're so incredibly one dimensional that when you get to the playoffs, it makes them very easy to stop at times. Now, that one thing they do, they're elite at. So it's kind of it's not saying like they're completely easy to stop. Like you know what's coming. So you can sit back a little bit, unless Josh Allen decides to run. Like, the Bills' offense, if you take Josh Allen out of the Bills' offense, they're borderline nothing because Josh Allen adds so much in the rush game as well. Like, the Bills need Josh Allen. The only reason the Bills are relevant in the NFL rushing category is because Josh Allen can break off 50 yards a game. He got 41 yards in this game. Got a touchdown here. Like, this was the first time we have seen Singletary and Cook do this. And I think out of all things considered, I think James Cook – is the best option at running back. I think Devin Singletary has not done anything to lose it, but I don't really think in regards to talent, regards to what he can do with the ball in his hands, I don't see any reason why James Cook shouldn't be the starter. But I understand why people like Devin Singletary. I like Devin Singletary. I think James Cook, though, has so much more talent than Devin Singletary, given how big he is, too. Like, James Cook is so fast. So fast. Like, Devin Singletary is fast. But he looks fat, like he looks a lot faster because he's short. He's like five foot seven. James Cook's six foot tall, and blazes. He's a big dude. He's a natural pass catcher. He can do everything out of the backfield. Singletary looks awkward when he catches the ball. Like again, I like Devin Singletary. He's not the long term answer at running back. I don't know if the Bills resign in this offseason, but Cook could be the answer at the Bills running back position. I've wanted him to play him all year, play him more. But again, like we've talked about before, the Bills have babied him into the starting role or babied him into the offense. I kind of done the same thing with Kyrie Elam this year babied him into the team and now he's starting to cook so we always say let James cook they let him cook on this game it was awesome the Bills defense played well as well played really great um Trey White is starting to look more and more in form uh what else Ed Oliver played awesome Ed Oliver's having a really good year Ed Oliver's having a great great year for the Buffalo Bills um yeah defense played really well held Justin Fields under 100 yards rushing or held Justin Fields less than 15 yards rushing which is very impressive When's the last time a team did that this year? Let's check. Last time Justin Fields was held to under 15 yards rushing is uh, never this season. His lowest season, his lowest total prior to this past week was 20 in week two against Green Bay Packers. And he even scored a touchdown in that game. He didn't score a touchdown in this game. He had 11 yards rushing, no touchdowns. Had a passing touchdown. He threw one, I think it was to Dante Pettis. Bears' first drive was pretty easy. Like, I don't know. I think the Bills are still considered one of the Super Bowl favorites. Like we, like Brady and I talked about on Monday, I think the AFC goes through Kansas, goes through Buffalo and Kansas City. I think until I know the Bengals are really good. The Bengals will be scary in the playoffs. I don't really, I'm not really looking forward to this game next Monday against Cincinnati Bengals. But I think the Bills should win. I think the Bills can win. But scary, it is scary. But I think the Bills are, even when they're not not at their best, they're still scoring over 30 points which is insane. Like, Josh Allen didn't play at his best. He hasn't really had a great second half of the season. He had, obviously, the elbow injury against the New York Jets, and he had some really odd throws. I think his elbow injury, like, that's a Tommy John surgery type injury, and he's still playing on it. 
So I don't think Josh Allen's 100% healthy. He's still putting up insane yards. Like he's got over 4,000 yards. He's got 32 touchdowns, the third most in the NFL. His QBR second in all the NFL. He, that, the problem is he's got 13 interceptions, which is not great. Two, two bad ones. These interceptions this year have not been like the defense really had to try for those. They've been really bad, like bad interceptions. So, again, I don't think Josh Allen's the MVP. I don't think he will be the MVP. But, again, I think he can finish second. I think he can finish second, especially with how the Bills – when the Bills are not playing their best, but still managing to get dubs, I don't. This game against the Bengals though will be massive. In Cincinnati, like the Bills have a very tough schedule this year. You played in Baltimore, in Kansas City, and now you're about to play in Cincinnati. Not to mention you played in LA, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Now the Rams are terrible, but still beat still beat the reigning Super Bowl champions. But yeah, it's a it's a fun season. I hate football and I love football at the same time. It's very stressful. <laughs> it's too, it's too stressful. At this point, but other than the Bills Bears game, some interesting games this week. I mean, like we talked about the Jaguars and Jets game. Saints beat the Browns. Chiefs beat the Seahawks. Really weird game that Seahawks Chiefs game. Vikings beat the Giants, sixty-one yard field goal by Greg Joseph. Awesome kick from him. Awesome ending. Patriots Bengals. The only time I've ever cheered for the Patriots in my life. This game and the Patriots choked it up. Ramondre Stevenson fumbled at like the seven eight yard line. Screwed that game over. And Mac Jones gave a cheap shot, which. I don't. I saw something. I think he's going to get fined. I don't. They're, they're reviewing it or something. The Panthers actually scorched the Lions on the ground in this game. Devontae Foreman had 165 yards. Chuba Hubbard had 125. Raheem Blackshear got a touchdown in this game. Like the Panthers just absolutely killed the Lions on the ground game. The run. The pass game for the the Lions looked good, but the they couldn't stop anything and lost by double digits. Then you had the Ravens beat the Falcons in a boring ass game. Uh, Desmond Ritter's playing all right at this point. They're definitely going to have conversation about who they're going to draft this year in regards to if they're going to take a quarterback or not. But Desmond Ritter has been playing better. I'm not saying he's playing great or has done enough to guarantee him a starting spot next year, but he's played all right. Then we had talked about the Texans beating the Titans. We had the Niners beating the Commanders. Purdy throwing two touchdowns to George Kittle. Uh, Cowboys beating the Eagles again. Eagles had some missed opportunities. Had a lot of really untimely, bad timing turnovers. Uh, lost 34 to 40. Steelers beat the Raiders 13 to 10 again. Boring ass game. Terrible game. Uh, but Kenny Pickett was back, played well. I think, again, like we talked about with Kenny Pickett before, I think the game's just slow for him, and I like that. I think Kenny Pickett will have a few. I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I think everything's slow. He's not. He doesn't look rushed. Then on Christmas Day, we had the Packers beat the Dolphins, Rams beat the Broncos, Bucks beat the Cardinals, and we obviously had the Chargers beat the Colts. For bowl games this past weekend, scroll down a little bit, we had we had Houston beat Louisiana, we had Wake Forest beat Missouri, which I saw today. Sam Hartman's transferring to Notre Dame, or he's entered the transfer portal, and the Notre Dame's the favorites. And when we talked on Monday, I think we talked about this on Friday's show too. So for the show with Brady, we recorded that on Friday, Friday night at like five o'clock, five six o'clock. My heater broke, so the 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 mechanic or the mechanic, the repairman had to come in and fix my my heater. I was at fifty nine degrees on Friday, brutal. But I recorded the show on Friday, and the crystal ball thing on twenty four seven Sports was DJ Uyagalele going to Hawaii. That was their crystal ball thing. He's going to Oregon State. And Oregon State's a weird team because I don't think their quarterback's leaving. And Oregon State just finished 10-3 and and blew out Florida in their bowl game. So I don't I don't know what's going on there, but it's a decent move. Decent move. Then we had Middle Tennessee State beating San Diego State 25-23. We had New Mexico State beating Bowling Green 24-19. Then we got a game going right now between Houston and Utah, or Utah State and Memphis with Memphis winning 24-3. And Coastal Carolina, East Carolina playing right now. Wisconsin, and or they'll play later. Wisconsin, Oklahoma State playing later. And we had Buffalo beating Georgia Southern 23-21. For my Capital One Bowl stuff, uh, what games do we have that have taken? Oh, well, they're 
They've locked them in, but the colors haven't changed. So this is kind of, this is upsetting to me. So we had, we picked West Kentucky over South Alabama. Or no, 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 we didn't. No, we didn't. But we said Wake Forest over Missouri, so we got that one right, even though we didn't pick it. Uh, then we had Middle Tennessee beating San Diego State. We had Bowling Green beating New Mexico. Buffalo beating Georgia Southern. Oh, I picked Utah State. I picked it for Stu. I picked it for Stu. I remember I went. we went through and said a bunch of stupid reasons for every one of these godforsaken games. I'm ready, though, for Iowa's bowl game. We're getting closer to that one. I know we clowned on it a little bit or a lot of bit on on Monday's show, but <laughs> I'm excited. That 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 I'm getting excited for the national championship stuff as well, the playoff, the semifinals and stuff. But Kentucky, Iowa, Alabama, Kansas State, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. That's a fun Saturday. Or a fun, yeah, fun Saturday on New Year's Eve. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping Iowa can win. I'm excited to see what Labas can do. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember who Kentucky starting quarterback. He's the guy who started against South Carolina when they lost earlier this year. Chris Rodriguez is also not playing after missing four games start the year. He's at 904 yards rushing. Could have probably gotten to 1,000 yards had he played, but I understand him not playing. But it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a very, very interesting game between a bunch of backups, so <laughs> it'll be fun. But um, with that, with speaking of Levis, this is the last thing I'm going to really talk about today. Um, during oh, – which bowl game was it? Um, I don't remember which bowl game it was, but Mel Kuyper's quarterback rankings popped up, and people were posting all over the place about Will Levis being number one. Will Levis number one profile number one draft pick? It's like yeah, again we've talked about this before. I had I was with a uh, a few friends last, like we said we were at Drought House watching some football and some of my friends were talking about the NFL draft with Levis. Ryan, who we brought on the show, big Arkansas fan, follows the SEC religiously, so he knows about Will Levis. I had to uh, try to explain the thinking behind Levis going number one overall because I don't think it's I don't think it's um I don't think it's stupid. I think Levis going number one overall makes a lot of sense. I think that it's hard to fathom, given what you watched this year, because he didn't really put forth his best performance. But I think he's got the talent enough to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I think when you look at what Kentucky was this year, trying to do five-step drops, one of the worst off the lines of college football, was not great. They were one of the slowest-paced teams in all of college football. It does not fit Will Levis' play style. And I'm pretty confident Will Levis was hurt like the entire season because he did not run as much. I think, though... So I, t- I said this to Ryan, and it was the first time I actually thought about it. Like, you know in spring training in baseball, you've got pitchers, like, don't look at ERAs and stuff in spring training because there could be times where pitchers are like, I'm going to work on my slider, I'm going to work on my changeup, I'm going to work on my curveball, and I'm just going to throw, that's the only pitch they're going to throw the entire time is that, curveball, changeup, slider, whatever. That's all they're going to throw. And you look at it like, man, that kind of stuff. I think Will Levis was kind of in a situation where was like he wanted to prove he was a pocket passer. But again, with the worst off, one of the worst offensive lines, at least in the SEC, with a new whole new group of wide receivers, it wasn't really it didn't really work out in his favor. So his numbers from last year to this year went down. So don't look at the again. I know it's hard not to. I know it's hard not to. But don't look at the numbers because I think Will Levis is a better prospect than C.J. Stroud is. Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft. And if he was two inches taller, we wouldn't even have a discussion about who'd be the number one overall pick in the draft. I think that'd be ridiculous to think. Anybody's better than Bryce Young had he not been around probably 5'9", 5'10", and 175 pounds. That's not what he's listed at. He's listed at 6'194". I call bullshit on that. That's not true. But um, that's if we if he wasn't that size, we wouldn't even have an, we wouldn't even be having a discussion at this point. And people are dogging Mel Kuyper for it about all these rankings. He did, again, I'll bring this up. I, though he had the Jimmy Clausen stuff, um, he did say Josh Allen will be the best draft 
the best quarterback of the draft class that had two Heisman Trophy winners in it. So I will hold out on it. I will respect him for that. And again, we've talked about this before. I think Mel Kuyper is one of the big reasons why the NFL draft's as big as it is in regards to a media frenzy. He's the one who really popularized watching the draft, really popularized mock drafts and stuff like that. So he's he's the godfather of the NFL draft in regards to that stuff. But I think Will Levis has potential to be a really, really good quarterback. He's got all the physical tools to be there. It's just a matter if he can realize it, I guess. So, yeah. Again, I think, though, Bryce Young, if we if Bryce Young uh, – oh, it was, it was last night. It was the Colts game. I, I did screenshot it. I was like, okay, I definitely saw this somewhere. I didn't see it while I was watching the game, but I saw it on Twitter. So someone said some advice to everyone who sees this, get your draft analysis elsewhere. Again, though, that's what we're talking about with he did say Josh Allen. Josh Allen was in draft class again with Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, two Heisman Trophy winners. Not to mention Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, who were also very much hyped. Sam Darnold's the number one quarterback in the draft class, according to a lot of people out there. So, I don't know. I, re- I respect the hell out of Mel Kuyper. Though he, get, he doesn't get everything right. No one gets everything right. Again, the draft is an insanely finite process that is way, 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 way overanalyzed. Way overanalyzed. With teams throwing in a little, I don't know, information that could or could not affect a player's draft stock to hope that they fall to him, fall to them. People can manipulate the draft all the freaking time. So, yeah, I think that's all I've got today. I know I said that a little bit ago, but I think that I think that's officially all I got. I guess last thing, uh, are Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? Is that something that's true? I saw that on Twitter on Saturday, or no, on Christmas, on Christmas. And um, are they? You look at the rest of who are other receiving duos that compare. I don't think the Bills have anybody that compare. The Patriots don't. Jets don't. I think the Jets have a really nice young one, but they don't compare. Ravens don't. Bengals, T. Higgins, and Tyler um, and Jamar Chase. No disrespect to Tyler Boyd, but T. Higgins, thousand yard, back-to-back thousand-yard receiver. You already know how great Jamar Chase is. Then we got the Browns, no. Steelers, no. Texans, no. Colts, no. Jaguars, no. Titans, definitely not. Broncos, Jerry, Judy, Corton, Sutton, maybe. Chiefs, no. Raiders, no. Chargers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, if they can stay healthy, yes. They're definitely up there. Cowboys, no. Giants, no. Eagles, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, potentially. Commanders, no. I mean, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin's a pretty fun one. Uh, Bears, no. Lions, who would theirs even be? Jamison Williams and and, um, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that could definitely be one, but not right now. Packers, no. Vikings, Thielen and Jefferson. Falcons, no. Panthers, no. Saints, no. Could be Chris Olave and Mike, Mike Michael Thomas, but we never see Michael Thomas play. Bucks, Evans, and Chris Godwin. Cardinals, Marquise Goodwin, Marquise Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins. Rams, Cooper Cup, and Allen Robinson should have been. Niners, no. I mean Debo, Debo, and uh, Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if you put Brandon Ayuk up there that high, but Debo definitely is. And the Seahawks, Lockett and DK. I think right now we are really in a conversation between the Bengals and Dolphins. Two teams that drafted wide receivers in the 2020, 2021 NFL draft class. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Back-to-back picks, too. Bengals drafted T. Higgins as well and drafted Tyler Boyd. So the Bengals are homegrown as homegrown gets. Their running backs are homegrown. Joe Mixon, even though Shamaji P. Ryan's coming in in some of his turf, Joe Burrow's homegrown. So they got options, but I think those are probably your two top ones at this point. Obviously, like, Justin Jefferson's going to be – he can command his own. But, like, I think right now you're – you're probably looking at T. Uh, Jamar Chase. No, jeez, uh, I did it again. T- Let's slow down a little bit. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. 
because I think Hill and Chase are comparable. They're both top five receivers. They're both in that conversation. And you're looking at Waddle versus Higgins. I think Waddle's better than Higgins. So that's kind of your your how you decide that one, I guess. So, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. That's officially all I've got for you today. I don't think I have anything more. I do not think, as far as I'm most concerned, I don't think I have any more. I do not think I have any more to talk about. I'm scrolling through my camera roll to see if I had anything else that I wanted to talk about that I didn't. And I think we're good. I think we're good. So that's all I've got today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. But again, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. And uh, leave a rating out of five stars. But make sure you're following the Apple Podcast Spotify account first. Leave a rating out of five stars. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I will see you all later. Peace.